better conversations with each other. And if you don't know how to be empathetic, you cannot understand, you cannot comprehend the experience of the other person. So it's very difficult to connect. It's very difficult to have a good conversation with someone if you're not getting their point of view, if you're not getting their perspective. And you don't have to... Welcome to Better Business Founder, the podcast for purpose-driven business founders seeking to build a meaningful business on their own terms. I'm Nikki Tang, and I'm here with you today to find out how better business founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. Are you ready to create change with your business? If so, let's go. Hello. Our episode of December is my conversation with Isa Alves, who has joined us from Lisbon in Portugal. This episode is a little bit of a treat because we will be discussing communication with empathy, improving how people communicate with one another and improving communication within organizations with empathy is Isa's mission. Because empathy is a skill that we can all learn and become more intentional when using it in the way we communicate with people around us. Isa will tell us all about it. Isa will explain how being more empathetic can serve us in our daily lives and in a professional environment. Isa will also teach us how to set boundaries and why we need to set boundaries when we practice communication with empathy. This was a lovely and important conversation on a very simple skill that could transform the quality of the relationships we have with people around us. I hope you will enjoy this conversation and learn new ideas you could use right away in your business and life. Please welcome Isa Alves. Isa, I'm very, very happy that you're here on the show today. Can you tell us where you are from and where you are talking from right now? Yes. Thank you, Liki, for having me. So I'm from Lisbon, Portugal. I was born and raised in Lisbon. And this is where I, I work and where I live. Okay. And did you also study in Lisbon? Uh, I did, except from um, the master I took in political communication. I took a master in Amsterdam, so I lived for a full year in Amsterdam. And a part of that, yes, I'm a Lisbon person. Okay, great. Uh, how is it like living in Lisbon? I've never been there, but I'd love yeah, to. Yeah, I think Lisbon is an amazing city. It's great. We have an amazing light. We have lots of sun, even during the winter time, and the Portuguese are known for having very good food and good wine. And it's it's great. It's a, a nice city. People are are friendly in Lisbon, and I love the city. Mm. Can you describe the world, the ideal world you want your children to be living in? Or the world that you were dreaming of when you were a child? Oh, that's such a great question because I have two young boys and 
as a mother, I always think about that. What kind of, of world I want them to live in and what kind of attitudes, behaviors I want to model for them. And definitely, I want them to live in a kind world, in a more kind world, in a more empathetic world, and in a world where people are more intelligent dealing with their emotions and managing their emotions. So a more emotionally intelligent world, definitely. Mm. So is that why you started your business? Is that because you want to implement this vision that you have started your business? Yes, that's definitely part of it. And the other Part of why I started my business the way I did, it was because of my own journey, what I went through, and the fact that for many, many years I was working in these more corporate environments. And I worked as, um, I started working as a journalist, a journalist in the health sector. And then I started working for the Ministry of Health here in Portugal and health organizations. So I have collaborated with several health organizations in Portugal and internationally with the World Health Organization as well. And what I was doing in those jobs was basically to help these organizations communicate their message to the world. And usually it was a very service-based message like help citizens to adopt better health behaviors mm -hmm. or communicating the Portuguese health plan. So it was all very anchored in service and communicating important issues to people. But after a few years in doing this, like 15 years or so, I started feeling that I had more to say to the world I had my own message and not that what I was doing was not important, but I really felt that I needed to do more than that. I needed to have a, a stronger impact and I needed to do something that was more aligned with me, my personality, my soul, whatever you want to call it, to find alignment with what was driving my life. And this happened when I was about 35 years old. What I think it struck me by then was that I was 35 years old and I felt I was not doing what I was supposed to do in the world. And my mother died when she was 33. And that was like, well, my mother died with 33 and here, here am I with the privilege of having already 34 or 35, and I haven't done anything I feel I'm really proud of, you know? And it's not, I'm, I'm saying this, it's not that I felt I wasn't good enough. It's just that I felt I had something more I should be doing instead of just spreading other people's messages. Even though those messages are important, I felt I had this obligation to do better 
And kindness was and still is very important to me, like empathy. And I had to go through my own hero's journey and try to understand how can I help? How can I put my experience, my knowledge in communication and my experience as a person to the service of other people? How can I help? How can I contribute to a more kind world, a more gentle world? How can I help people communicate in a more gentle way? Because one of the things I learned from working in this corporate environment, even though we're talking about public institutions, but it's still a very corporate environment, was that there were a lot of toxic relationships. There were a lot of violence in words and the way aggression in the way people speak to each other. And what's going on with people? Why are people having the need to be so aggressive towards others? And that was something that really interested me since ever. And I started to learn and being curious about nonviolent communication and empathic communication and try to find ways for us to connect with each other in a more gentle and kind way and not in a such aggressive way how I have seen people interact with the, each other. It's like your mother passing was a very strong message that creates something, a mission in your life that was very compelling. And so you received those extra years like you know, um, the, your the years and also the years to come as a gift and what you do with it. Is that, yeah. Definitely. And uh, I talk about the hero's journey because I'm very passionate about the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell. And because I felt that, I felt one day I was working for this organization and I was feeling very tired and the work was good. The payment was good. Like their mission was good, but I was just not feeling aligned anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I was becoming very tired. My brain was foggy. My mind was foggy. I would wake up in the morning and feel miserable to go to work. And the best part of my day was the commute to work because it, I would be in the traffic listening to podcasts. <laughs> and if that's the best part of your day, you must be doing something wrong tremendously wrong so I talked to my boss and I told her I'm sorry I need some time off I need to take three days off and she was like she was very kind and she was like what's happened to you I can see that you're tired why what's happening and I told her I I don't know I just feel so so tired I need to have a few days off work and so I stayed at home just tidying up everything like uh, Marie Kondo style. <laughs> and it was very, very relaxing, actually. And I think it's kind of a an, an meditative exercise because by the end of the three days, I had made my mind and I, I discovered I have to quit. I have mm. to quit my job. And I started talking to my husband and we started discussing how we would move forward. And eventually I did that, like in a few months, I quit my job and I started working from home and I started building my business and building my business in a different way. 
because I, I already had my business. I was hired as a consultant, so my business was already rolling, but I knew I had to change the way I was doing business. And so I went through a self-discovery journey and eventually I found coaching and I had to find the specific niche in coaching I could relate to because I saw a lot of coaches, a lot of coaching programs I couldn't relate to. Uh, and I found this great teacher. I related a lot with him. I learned a lot from him. And from that point on, I started my own coaching journey. But before we get into your the development of your business, I would like to know, and you get me very excited about it, more about um, what you call it, communication with empathy and assertiveness. So tell us what it is and uh, and tell us more about why we need more of that and what's the benefit. Share with us what's communication with empathy and assertiveness mean. I think the main goal for us as humans is to have better connections and better conversations with each other. And if you don't know how to be empathetic, you cannot understand, you cannot comprehend the experience of the other person. So it's very difficult to connect. It's very difficult to have a good conversation with someone if you're not getting their point of view, if you're not getting their perspective. And you don't have to agree. Empathy is not about you talking to someone and agreeing with everything that person says, but you have to make this effort, if it's an effort for you, because sometimes it's natural, but you have to make this effort of understanding their starting points, their perspective, and their point of view. Because reality is, in fact, what we see, what we perceive, and not as much as reality as it is, right? So you and me, you, we can be observing the same situation, for instance, an accident on the road. And I see something and you see something completely different because our minds are different, our experiences are different, our perspectives, our views, our values, we are all different. But at the same time, we are all human and all our emotions are the same. I have gone through loss. You have gone through loss. I might not know what your loss was, but I definitely know how it felt somehow because I felt the same. So being empathetic is this ability we all have of understanding the experience of the other person, even though that experience is different from ours. And if we can do that when we are in a conversation, when we are in an interaction, we can speak in a completely different way. We can understand what that person is going through. And that's how we, we can really connect in a truthful way is when we can tap into other people's perspectives and experiences. Mm. Can you give us an example of how this can be used? Oh my God, so many, so many examples. For instance, every time you're talking to a friend and this friend is telling you about something 
she's going through with her mother. Let's give this example. And you are outside the situation. And actually, because you're outside, you can see the situation from the point of view of your friend. And you can see actually as well the situation from the point of view of her mother. But in that moment, probably all your friend needs is validation. Is for you to tell her, I know how it feels. I know it's hard. This is being empathetic. But if you jump into judgments, which is the opposite of being empathetic, like saying, you're not getting it. You're not getting the point of your mother. Your mother is just worried about you or your mother is just feeling this or feeling that. You're becoming judgmental of the way your friend is feelings, of the feelings of your friend, and you're not actually being empathetic. So if you jump into a judgmental mode or even if you jump into advice-giving mode, you're skipping the opportunity of telling the person that you validate her feelings. That doesn't mean, again, that you agree with her perspective, but just that you can totally understand what she's going through and just, just letting her know, I feel you, I understand what you're going through, and I know that's hard. And then after you validate the feelings, and if you feel is uh, useful, you can actually spread some advice of course, you have to request first her permission. So with her permission, if you have useful advice, you can provide your useful advice. But that should only come after you have validated, after you've, you have been empathetic with that person and after you requested for the permission to provide advice, if, if necessary. Because many times people are not looking for advice. We think they are, but they're not. I think, I think that many times people have the answers inside themselves. They just want to vent. They just want to feel understood. They just want to feel validated. And empathy is all about that. It's about validation, being validated by the other. Yes, it's about listening first listening in a mindful way, listening without judgment, and then validating. I believe that it works in the business, in the work environment, but how do you use it as a manager, as a management tool to help your team make progress? Because it's, it's something I've tried. Um, and I'm still trying, but it's hard because, you know, you cannot sugarcoat everything in the work environment. So how does it work? That's a great question. I think this is very important in the work environment because this is very important in all human relationships. And um, in the work environment, actually, the lack of empathy is responsible for a lot of conflicts and a lot of disengagements. Because if you work... For instance, if you have your manager and you feel your manager doesn't listen to you, or doesn't care about you, you feel disengaged, okay? You don't want to work for someone that doesn't care about you at all. 
And so I think that all managers, all leaders should learn how to listen empathetically to their teams. And again, that doesn't mean that because they listen, they have to do everything that their employees want. Okay. They don't have to say yes to every request they get from their employees, but they definitely should have the ability to listen. There's a lot of myths around empathy for leaders and managers because sometimes people are afraid of being empathetic because if they are, then people will abuse them in some way. You know, like if I show that I'm empathetic, I show my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And that's not about that. That's definitely not about that because at the end of the day, what you want is to create um, psychological safety in the workplace. And psychological safety is the environment you want to create for people to feel safe to speak up, for people to feel safe to uh, whenever something is going wrong, whenever some mistake is occurring, for people to have the courage to speak up and say, hey, look, this is not going well. And you can act in a timely manner. So every manager should be able to promote a psychological safety space and environment, okay, in, in the workplace. And empathy is part of that. Empathy is the part where you provide the space for people to speak up and for you to listen and for you to learn from them and for you to understand what you can do better and for you to acknowledge and validate the people that are working for you. What is assertiveness and uh, how does it work with empathy? Yeah, that's, that's a great question because I don't think you can have empathy for real without mm -hmm. assertiveness. I can, I can give you an example. Um, in 2015, around 2015, my first kid was two years old, more or less, and we were going through the refugees and the Mediterranean crisis. And there was this newspaper in Portugal and probably all over the world that published this photo uh, in the first page of a kid in, in a beach and the kid was dead. And I saw that picture and I cried for five hours in a row and I was so emotionally exhausted that when I was to pick up my kid at school, I couldn't be present to my kid. I was so exhausted emotionally. And this is the limits of empathy. Yes. Okay. It's when you have to understand that it's good to feel empathy, but it's not productive. It's not good when empathy just drains you off and because it's not good for you, for your emotional health, it's, it's not good for your kids because you're not available to, to him. It's not good for the community or the society because whenever you're feeling depleted, and with this lack of energy and down and low, you cannot do anything to help other people. Mm -hmm. So uh, you want to be compassionate. You want to have the power within you to move towards compassionate action. 
And if you're feeling depleted, you just can't. So you're not doing anything to help the refugees if you're in that state. So that's where assertiveness has to enter the game. You know, it's because your empathy has to have limits and the limits of your empathy are assertiveness. Okay, you need to know your own boundaries. You need to know your own limits. And whenever you're talking to someone, you have to take into account that person's perspective, that person's experience, that's empathy, and also your own experience, your own needs, your own boundaries. And then you can jump into empathic assertiveness. You want to be empathic. And you want to be assertive. And that's the same with the, the example we were giving before uh, of managers, that managers want to hear their people, want to hear that their team, but they have some information that their team doesn't have. So they have to deal with that. The, the experience of others, their own experience, and they have to play in this playing field of empathic assertiveness. It's like where you find in the middle, in the space between you and me, there's my assertiveness, that's my needs, my boundaries, that's your experience, and we will meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. I went on your Instagram page and I saw a link to something I didn't comprehend because I don't speak Portuguese, but it's something related to the power of saying no. That's it. So can you explain a little bit about that? Yes, that's about, well, that's about a lot of stuff. Like if we take into account our inner world, the way we communicate with other people has a lot to do with the way we feel about ourselves. It's a mirror. The way we communicate externally, it's a mirror of how we feel internally. That's being said, what I see many times is a lot of people that fall into, myself included, okay, that fall into the people-pleasing modes, which is mm. you want to see everyone happy. You don't want to uh, rise up any conflict. You don't want to open the Pandora box. And what you start doing is trying to please everyone, saying yes to everyone, to every uh, request you receive. And by the end of this, by the end of this behavior, this consistent behavior, you start losing yourself. You start losing your boundaries. You start losing the ability of saying what I want matters also. Mm -hmm. inner work we have to do when we are people pleasers. I, I, I really don't like the term people pleaser. I'm just using it because I, I like a better term. But whenever you feel the tendency to make everyone happy, and that's for starters, that's totally out of your control. You cannot make anyone happy apart from yourself. So when you start going to this tendency of making everybody happy at your expense, like mm -hmm. at the expense of not saying no, when you, you want to say no, you're creating a big container for resentment. Mm. 
you start to resent other people. You may keep saying yes to other people, but your S's come with resentment. Mm -hmm. Just because you don't want to be uncomfortable in saying no, because saying no sometimes is a bit uncomfortable and we we try to, to skip that uncomfortable part and we end up by saying yes. But as we do it more often and often, we start to create resentments and we start to disengage from ourselves. And this part is very important to me because I've been through this and it's when you tell your mind and you tell your body that what you're feeling and what you're thinking and your needs are not important because even though you feel like I want to say no, you end up by saying yes. So you're telling your mind that what you need, what you care about, your feelings are not important, or at least other people's feelings are more important than yours. Other people's needs are more important than yours. And that raises a matter of self-worth. Why do you feel you're not worthy of pursuing your needs? Why do you feel you're not worthy of pursuing um, your feelings? That goes very deep. Yeah, it goes really deep. So it's not just a matter of working communication and teaching people tips on how to say no gracefully and in an empathic way, but it's more deep than that, is to try to walk with people this path of why do you feel you're not worthy enough? Why do you feel other people's needs and um, preferences are above yours, you know? And that's where my work starts to being very interesting. And the way I reached to this is because I've been this person in my past. I've been this person that I was working for these health organizations and I would say yes to everything until I burnt out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know by experience, that's not healthy. That leads to resentments. That leads to people quitting their jobs. I've done it. Mm -hmm. And actually it's a matter of self-worth and finding that you're worthy. And because you're worthy, you need to start defining your boundaries and your limits to other people. And that comes with learning to say no, or at least slowing down your yeses. Because sometimes I work with people and people say, oh, I can't say no. Okay, you don't need to say no. Let's just slow down your yeses. Let's start <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I also feel that if you tend to say yes to everyone, You have no life anymore. You cannot pursue your own goals, what you really want to do with your own time. It's like, you know, there's always people like you could be your friends, you could be your family and say, yeah, can you do this for me? Why don't you do that? And why don't you come? And then at the end of the day, you just realize, oh, wow, what has a whole day gone? And uh, I wanted to do all that and everything's gone. My time is gone. Yes, yes, that's a great example. One of of the exercises I do sometimes with my clients, is precisely that, to know that our time is limited. So whenever you say yes to something, try to focus on what you're saying no to, right? Whenever you say yes to this thing, you're saying no 
to some other thing. So what are you saying no to whenever you say yes to a request from someone? And maybe you're saying no to time for yourself, time for your self-care, time for your kids, time for your work, time for rest, Mm -hmm. time for the things that really matter. And when you can put this into perspective, then it's easier to start to say no to things that really don't add up to your mission, to what you you want to do in the world, or even to your self-care. I think, you know, when I hear you talking, it seems like it starts with having more empathy with ourselves first. That's If you don't have empathy for yourself, it's impossible to interact with the world with assertiveness. Yes. So beautifully put. Yes, I, I, I agree. And that's the reason why some people think they cannot be empathetic. It's because they have never seen that modeled for them. Um, if you're not compassionate with yourself, it's very different, very difficult to be compassionate towards other people. So if you don't have empathy for yourself, if you don't start developing your own self-compassion, it's very difficult to model that to other people. So that's so beautifully said because I think that all starts with this inner work. All that I do, like when, for instance, when you're talking about judgments and people that are very judgy towards others and not empathetic, that comes with a lot of self-judgment. Like the world is a mirror of you. How you see the world is a mirror of you. If you are all the time pointing fingers to other people and, and judging other people, it's because there's a lot of judgment that you have towards yourself. So that's the same with empathy. That's the same with compassion. If you cannot use it for yourself, it will be much more difficult to do that for others. You always have to start by doing your inner work to see where you have your shadows, you know? And that was great. That I, I'm happy that you said that because it's, it's, it's so important. Now I'd like to go back to your business who do you work with do you do only one-on-one coaching or you also do group trainings right now i'm just doing one-on-one coaching but i'm also creating i I did create already a training program for health professionals and i'm starting to implement in health organizations because those were the organizations i worked in the past where i could clearly see that a more empathic communication framework would be very helpful. So I'm doing both of this. I'm working with a few clients one-on-one and I'm implementing training for health professionals because after 15 years working in this sector, I really want to be able of giving back to the sector where I learned so much and and, and I really fell in love with the health sector. But I, I'm a little bit surprised because I thought, uh, but I'm probably wrong, uh, that 
in the health sector, empathy is part of the training. And so people must be able to show up to the world with a lot of empathy because it's a, it's a skill. You know, when you meet a doctor, you know, it's a good doctor because uh, he or she communicates with empathy or something for, uh, for, I don't know, people work in hospitals. Yeah. But that's not the case. For instance, nurses have a lot of training in, in empathy and communicating with patients. But that's not the case for all the physicians, all the doctors. And even though if they have some um, communication training, it's still not enough. And mm -hmm. actually right now, most of health professionals are severely burned out mm -hmm. in the aftermath of this pandemic and the pandemic is not over and they really need training in emotional intelligence as well in self-leadership in self-awareness as well and my main objective is to bring this kind of training to these professionals to help them cope with the stress and burnout they're facing these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need a world with more empathy, with more uh, connection and kindness, definitely. We definitely need, yeah. In your work, uh, what do you enjoy most doing and what do you enjoy least doing? <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, you have your own business, so it's not always a walk in the park so no it's not <laughs> so i think the most important thing that i learned from my business is that consistency is key mm -hmm. and sometimes consistency is not easy it comes with a lot of administrative work mm -hmm. um i do a lot of content for social media for instance and sometimes I don't feel like creating content. Many times I do. I do enjoy the content creation part. But many times that's a sure and a, I, that I don't like to do, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I don't feel very comfortable with reaching out to people, reaching out to organizations, for instance. And I try to step out of my comfort zone to do that. So... And I do it, of course, I have to do it because organizations need to know what I'm doing and uh, if they're interested to, to get some kind of training that I can provide, right? So that's something I've been putting myself into, uh, uh, getting out my comfort zone and reaching out to people in organizations. Mm. Yeah, I would say that's the part of my job that I don't like, like, the most <laughs> I'm not very passionate about, but it comes with a job. So, of course, whenever you have a business, you have to do things that sometimes you don't appreciate as much, but they're part of the deal. So how do you trick yourself into doing this? You mean like in feeling confident to do this? Confident and forcing yourself to do things you don't enjoy doing. Yes. I use some tricks like... One important trick I use is to get out of my ego because whenever I'm stuck in my ego or this identity that I might have that is a, is a very discreet person that just don't reach out to people out of the blue and 
that's maybe anchored in my identity and anchored in my ego. I just try to challenge my own thought, like, hey, Isa, if you don't reach out to this person, maybe you're losing an opportunity of helping this team. Okay. Like that team needs your help. So again, it's empathy. It's your thinking of what they'll get. Yes. And, and not benefit from. me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And okay. not putting the focus on me because I don't feel comfortable enough with mm -hmm. doing that. But like, forget about yourself and think if you don't reach out to this person that you know, because you know this person, I don't do cold reach outs. Uh, maybe that team is not able to benefit from the, the training or the, the intervention that you have. So put the focus on them instead of you. And actually that kind of thought helps a lot. I also do meditation mm -hmm. every morning. And usually um, when I meditate, that prepares me better for the day. Mm -hmm. And it's also the same outcome, like the outcome of getting out of your own head, getting out of your own ego and start thinking, how can you be of service to others? And that helps a lot. You said earlier that you, when you were still working as a writer, you were thinking of, okay, I'm going to quit and start my own business. And I'm going to do it my way. Yes. So what is your way and how do you measure success in your business? Yes, that's a great question. Um, first of all, my way was to have time for my kids. Okay. I didn't want to be the mother that would pick up kids at school at 6 p.m. So right now I work from home. I do my own scheduling. And so... I'm available to my kids. And that was my first priority because they're still very young. And for instance, my older son, he leaves school at four and I'm able to pick him at four, bring him home and keep working. So this is definitely one measure of success for me. The fact that I'm the one in charge for my schedule. Mm -hmm. And that means that I know what I need most. I don't have to, I don't have to work uh, or to abide to other people's priorities. I have my own. If I'm very tired, I can rest. I don't need to stay behind a desk, you know. And when I was working um, to other people, um, I was expected to follow a specific schedule to work from nine to five, even though I was completely depleted or completely drained or completely unproductive, I still had to be there. And that was not working for me at all. And so now I work, I have my freedom to choose the times of work, the times of rest, the times of play mm -hmm. and to be with my children. And that's definitely working according to my own values and my priorities. And I can't imagine right now, I can't imagine going back and working a nine to five job, you know? Where people can find out more about your work and um, benefit from, you know, from your 
coaching, your knowledge, your experience, your expertise, where people can find you? Yeah, on social media these days, because my website is under construction and I have to be honest, I haven't put the, the effort into my website because I haven't made it a priority. But you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is isa.g.alves. You can find me on Facebook, like the handle is the same without the dots. And you can send me an email if you want. And my email is isa.alves at gmail.com. And I put everything in the show notes. Don't oh, worry about that. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I was a pleasure to have you on this podcast. So thank you very much. Likewise, Liki, it was a pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. I love to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Did you like this episode? If you've enjoyed listening to Better Business Founder, why don't you share this podcast with a friend that could also benefit from these conversations? You can also subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts and leave a review to help other people find these conversations. And if you have any questions or suggestions, you can email me at hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. Hello at betterbusinessfounder.com. And I would love to hear from you because I believe that your business is the catalyst to create the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm.